Welcome to Neutral Site. We are your college football podcast, and we're here to help you out with those tailgate trash talkers you'll be debating Saturday mornings this fall with thoughtful research, data, and stories across the best sport in the world. And today is my last day in Roadrunner country, and Houston, more importantly, it's the last Saturday without college football. Are you excited? Oh, I'm excited, yeah. So next week kicks off the best time of year. We all agree, fall, it's coming in hot, like Glenn mentioned last week pumped. Bring it. So today we're going to cover on the most important teams to their conference and then we're going to go into game previews first of the year. Let's get going. But before we do Houston, I got a hot take for you. So I have a mystery list here. Mm -hmm. Why don't you go ahead and click on that mystery list and what we're looking at, I want to get your opinion, looking at the Sports Illustrated best seasons ever list top 10 best seasons ever by a player how'd they do did they miss anybody did they nail it what do you think yeah actually i actually saw this list already i think you might have tweeted it actually did. Could uh, you, why don't you run it down real quick so yeah. so what is it the top 10 okay so they had uh, going from 10 to 1 uh best seasons individual seasons of all time 10 herschel walker absolutely i mean he belonged i was actually surprised he wasn't a little higher nine johnny manzel Maybe we'll come back to him. Uh, Johnny Football. Yeah, I, when I first saw his name pop up, I completely disagreed with it. But if you really look at his numbers, it's it's pretty good. But let's come back to him. And, uh, and Donovan Sue was number eight. I was really surprised to see him on there, just because it's hard to you know measure how good of a defensive player has you know how good their season is. Um, but you know probably well deserved, right? I mean, I like that they throw him. I th- like that they bring him on there. Yeah. Uh, seven, Ricky Williams. I assumed he would be on here somewhere. I thought seven was a little high, but again, his numbers are pretty impressive if you look at that, the 1998 season. Uh, your boy slinging Sammy Baugh comes in at number six. And Booten, doing all <laughs> leading the nation in punting that year. That's right, that's right. So that I was surprised to see, I mean, you know, obviously he probably deserves to be on there. But <laughs> I have no them, idea. <laughs> for them to go back that far in 1936, I was, I was actually surprised to see that. But again, how he compares – you know, to some of these other guys, who knows? And he had the advantage that nobody else was really throwing. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, he pretty much invented the forward pass. Five, Reggie Bush. I do agree with that one. His 2005 season was pretty epic, and he was one of the more electrifying uh, college football players I've ever seen. So I, so I, I did agree with that one. Uh, number four, Steve McNair. I wasn't really sure about that. He did make a really, really good, what, run at the Heisman. He finished in the top, what, three? Did he finish second? I can't remember, but... Um, for him coming from such a small school, Alcorn State, very, very impressive. But I was surprised to see him on here. Three, Marcus Allen. That's pretty much a no-brainer. He was the first guy to rush for over 2,000 yards, I think, that season. Um, number two, my boy Tim Tebow. I was pumped to see him on here. When you pull up the article, yeah. it, it, the main picture is him. So I was like, oh, man, he might get that number one spot. But number two, well-deserved. Uh, yeah. And I'm not just being biased. That's If you look at his 2007 season, it was ridiculous. His numbers were insane. Yeah. He was the first guy to throw for 20 touchdowns and run for 20 touchdowns in the same year. I think he had 55 total touchdowns, really good season. Uh, and number one, this this season didn't pop to my mind as the number one, but when you look at the stats, it is. So it's Barry Sanders' 1988 season, <laughs> completely ridiculous. You know, you rush for over 2,600 yards. He returned kicks. Um, when I mentioned Reggie Bush was the most electrifying, he, he's probably actually second to Barry. Barry Sanders is completely ridiculous. I know some of you younger folks didn't get the opportunity to see him uh, in his prime, but trust me when I say that he was basically unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so no one – like I know this is a put, put me on the spot question. I can't really think of someone that 
that didn't get on this list? Does anybody stick out to you? I, well, I was curious when I saw Sue there, I was thinking, what other defensive players would you go to? So just one that just popped in my mind, you look at Clowney, I thought maybe, maybe, I mean, Clowney was just, just like Sue, you know, just dominating. But you have to take into account, Sue was a defensive tackle, right, versus defensive end. And Clowney, so Sue's stats that year that they highlight, 85 tackles, 24 tackles for loss, and 12 sacks. That, and Clowney's best year was 2012, and he had 54 total tackles, 23 and a half for loss, and 13 sacks. So kind of comparable, but Sue's overall tacker, tackles, knowing he was definitely getting double teamed every yeah, single one, it's, it's a good call. I guess a defender that sticks out in my mind is Charles Woodson, right? So he yeah, now granted go. he did yeah. more, he returned punts and maybe even some kicks, but mostly punts. He won the Heisman. He beat out Peyton Manning for the Heisman that year. Uh, so I could have seen him falling on this list. But again, who are you going to take off? Uh, my gut instinct was the Johnny Manziel thing. But if you go back and look, I mean, it said he gained what forty six hundred total yards and forty three touchdowns. That's pretty good. I don't know if he belongs on the top 10 of all-time list, but it's a pretty pretty solid year. I think if you take into account exciting years, I mean, he was just he was fun to watch, but so were a lot of these guys on the list. Yeah, and was that the year that he made that ridiculous play against Alabama where he dropped the ball and he picked it up <laughs> off the ground and, like, threw it 60 yards in the end zone? Something. We'll, it might have been the following year, but it was We'll, we'll look it up and, and put it in the show notes either way. Yeah, so if I had to take someone off, I'm not going to take your boy slinging Sammy. <laughs> Obviously. So I, I think I would have left Manziel on this. And uh, who would I add? I don't know. Charles Woodson comes to mind. That's a great one. Let's get into the meat of the day of the last Saturday without college football. Um, we're going to cover which co- teams matter most to their conference. Now, that can go a lot of different ways. And when we say most, we just mean overall, who do you look at and say, who is it important for the conference to do well, to be relevant, that brings value to the conference. And what criteria, Houston, before we get into the actual schools, what criteria are we looking at here? Uh, yeah, we have four or five different things. The first one that came to mind was obviously revenue. Uh, Glenn did a pretty deep dive and thorough investigation into uh, you know some of the bigger schools' revenues and smaller schools. Uh, one thing to note when it comes to revenue is the private schools don't typically share this. So when you're looking at you know top 10, top 20 uh, revenue producers, some of those might not be on there. It, it took some time to find, but I, I did find them. Okay. Yeah, I'm, nice. I was pretty excited by that. Told you, investigation. That's right. You know, at the top, well, not private school, but the smallest school up there. Let's all guess. Everybody <laughs> guess at once. TCU. We're in the top 30. <laughs> no, that's impressive for, for small schools. I was school very surprised, people. yeah. Um, second kind of pillar we're using is tradition. Obviously, this is the kind of the foundation of college football. Yeah. It's basically what makes it the greatest sport. It's why we love it so much. We have to include tradition on there. Now, might be a little hard to measure, but you know we took some kind of qualitative notes, if you will, on the tradition thing. We used the eye test. The eye test, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Third one is brand strength. So that's a little different than tra- uh, tradition. Uh, so we saw, we came across some rankings. What was the guy's name? Mike Lewis on Fanalytics. Yeah, Mike Mike Lewis. There you go. He's a, a marketing professor, I believe, at uh, Emory. And so brand is what he does. Yeah, so, and again, this could be loosely tied to revenue too, but, you know, we're looking at who, who brings kind of the, the, the you know, big big names, if you will, and who has the biggest pool across the country. So that, that's a big one. And then uh, another big one, obviously, is the fan base, right? So... There, there might be some schools that we listed here that haven't been great over the last few years, but have extremely loyal and huge fan bases. We think that's a big and important measure um, to get these uh, get these teams on here. 
So with that said, keep, keep those things in mind, tradition, revenue, fan base, brand, all those kind of things. Uh, we're just going to dive right into it, Glenn, if that works for you. So we're going to start with the Pac-12. Do you want to lead us off? Do you want me to lead us off? How do you want to go about this? I think this is appropriate to start, and I'll, I'll kick us off. But what really started this idea and this conversation was really around our first team on the Pac-12 and who's important is USC. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the school that we said, man, they are somebody that has just not been as relevant in the last few years and is so important to the Pac-12. Yeah, that's right. And so, yeah, what kicked off the conversation was, hey, is USC the most important school for their conference? And in my opinion, they are at least in the top two or three. And obviously, we'll list some of the other ones going forward here. Uh, But they potentially could be number one, because can can you imagine the Pac-12 without USC? Just the tradition they bring, uh, the the number of championships, Heisman Trophy winners, NFL players, uh, the fact that they're in Los Angeles. I know that there's another L.A. school doesn't quite have the same uh, tradition not uh, in football not in football right yeah. um yeah good point good point so uh, usc has to be in the running for the most important school and then the second one we had listed for the pac-12 and they're kind of a, a newcomer if we made this list 20 years ago they might not make it uh and maybe we can argue this too if, if you have different different opinion i put oregon on the list and again it goes back to that the branding thing okay they have the huge nike connection they got that swag the uniforms that's allowed them to kind of branch out and recruit nationally, which they haven't done. So they've been doing that for the last five, 10 years. They've had success, you know, not necessarily national titles, but they've been to major bowl games. They played Auburn for a national title, could have won that game. Uh, great, great success over the last 10, 15 years. So I included them. I, I see that. I get it. And because the brand is a key part, and particularly recently, I mean, they didn't just have a strong brand in the Pac-12. They've really, they really impacted, right? Maybe Phil Knight or Phil Knight in Oregon changed college football's brand as a whole with just the uni reveals, yeah. kind of adding some swag more to the game a little bit. So I see that one. I see your point about them bringing it. I, I think more importantly than them, I think Washington is a much bigger deal. University of Washington is a much bigger deal. Both are huge schools. They're in a similar area. And the reason that I, I really lean on Washington is that they've been one of the better programs as of late, easily, yeah. with Chris Peterson. But also, uh, they're 13th in revenue over the past five years. So we were talking about revenue coming to play. Mm-hmm. They drove, from what I saw on the list, was the most revenue in the Pac-12 and top 15 at sitting at 13 there. So they're driving revenue, which I was surprised at, but they're doing it. Yeah, I was very surprised at that, too. They have had a good run recently, and then you know in the '90s they were they were good. They had a couple years there in the 2000s. Uh, I I can see why you would include them. They're in a major metropolitan area. They've had success. They've won a national title. I, I just I don't know if they have that tradition. I'm not saying Oregon does. See that's yeah, and that's yeah. that's the difference. That's the difference. I mean, and Oregon's up on the revenue list as well. They're just they're several spots down. And I was surprised USC wasn't as high up there. But again, USC has that tradition factor. Right. And then I don't know if the private – so USC is a private school. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Again, but if the numbers are on there, I, that, I'm actually shocked that USC is not higher than – They're than, they're down there at about 20, 24 or so. And, I mean, I'll, I'll, in the list with Oregon's ahead of them, about five spots ahead of them. Over the, Again, this is over the last five years. Okay. But Washington sitting up there, number one in the Pac-12 in revenue. Yeah, I'm really surprised by that. So uh, 
Okay, Pac-12, obviously USC, and then there, we have, Glenn and I have a debate between Oregon and Washington, so let us know what you guys think about that. Or if we're missing someone, I have a feeling there'll be some Stanford uh, write-ins on this one. I thought about it. It's yeah. just... Can't I didn't, include them all. I didn't want to include half the conference as being the most important teams in the conference. Yeah, 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 that's true. So, all right, let's uh, let's uh, jump into the ACC. Should we go with the obvious here? Yeah, let's, okay, let's go with the obvious. What, you want to lead? I mean, yeah. Clemson. I mean, Clemson is the most obvious team, and... They have tradition. They they do. They have size. They have revenue. But really, this was my note, and we talked about this in the conference uh, ratings or rankings. Clemson, like ACC, is more balanced than I'd, I'd realized. But as of today, they don't have anything else really other than Clemson at a national state, at a national level. Clemson is that. So that's a big driver for me. Is that they need Clemson? Yeah, and today. I. Today, today, but I agree that they have tradition. I remember back in the 80s, Clemson was good. When I was a little kid, man, this is weird, but I had a Clemson t-shirt, and I loved it so much. I wore that How Clemson. That I don't know. I don't know. But it had that tiger paw on it. They got that branding. They got Howard's Rock, the entry. Um, right. So, you know, they've been super hype over the last few years, but they do have tra- uh, tradition. I think they won a national title in the 80s. They have some really good players in their history. Uh, huge, huge and loyal fan base. Um, probably one of the best play, places to play in the country, I would think. I mean, it's not called Death Valley for nothing. That's right. That's right. But, again, they've had more recent success. I added another team in here, and it pained me to add them. But I don't think there's any way you can leave them off, and it's Florida State. No question. Right. So I had a note in here. If you take out the recency bias of Clemson being so good, Florida State is the best program Maybe this is a hot take. Florida State is, or at least was, the best and most important program in that conference. Mm. They had such a dominant run, and I know some of that happened before they joined the ACC, but it's hard to imagine now seeing them over the last few years how good Florida State was for such a long and sustained period of time, multiple national titles, Heisman Trophy winners, Florida State's in the conversation. No question. I mean, and going back to the revenue, they're sitting there at 14 over the last five years. Revenue's huge. Going beyond that, I think, and you mentioned that for ACC, I mean, they obviously carry Florida. Miami's, you know, up is has a great tradition and a great history as well, and a, a lot of bringing it. But Florida State has been so dominant prior to Clemson. I also think this that one of the other things that Florida State brings that makes them important to the ACC and, and to college football in general is rivalries. I think they drop off over the last few years hurts the ACC in particular, but also college football because of the loss of the intensity of the rivalries. I found a, a list around the most watched games over the last 25 years, and the number one game was Florida uh, State versus Notre Dame. And yes, not a not a major ri- rivalry as much, but Notre Dame obviously plays a lot in the ACC, and it was number one, number two, but that was the most watched game. So Florida State also has that aspect of not just appeal in Florida, or even kind of nationally and people attending games, but national appeal on TV. Yeah, for sure. And again, it, it goes back to that run. They started that run in the late 80s, and that kind of went through mid-2000s, really. Um, so I think Florida State and Clemson, are we in agreement that that's the two that we would choose from the ACC? Absolutely. Okay, well then let's move on to the SEC. We might have some discussion here because we uh, our goal was to try to narrow it down to two, maybe three teams, and the, the list for the SEC was a little longer, but I think maybe we can uh, have mm-hmm. a discussion and see who or who, sh- who should not be on the list. The, the challenge was, and this we'll get to it at the end, was it, of this conference, was 
who isn't on there that we had trouble not keeping on. Yeah, so the clear one, um, I think it's it's up there with the USC's of the world, is Alabama. It's not just their recent success and the multiple national titles they've had, but they, they, get, they have it all. You know, they have tra- uh, tradition. Fan like, base. Yeah, the fan Revenue. base is ridiculous. Revenue is high. What do they have, 15 national titles? Some of those may be self-claimed. <laughs> yeah. um, but, I, uh, again, going to the list of the top 25 watched games. over the, So over the last 25 years, the top rated uh, viewership for TV. Alabama is in five of them, five of the most watched games, which is the highest number. They're also in, looking at last year's, they're in the, they're the top three. They're in game one, two, and three, which were most of the playoffs, but yeah. they're the most watched games. Yeah, and I had a little note here too is, let's face it, Alabama football is likely the most important thing in the state of Alabama, with Auburn probably being number two. So they, they have it all. The fan base there is great. I did attend a game there one time, and it was it was epic. They're so great. Their tailgates are ridiculous. I mean, if you say college coaches, two on your list are Alabama. Yeah, that's it, true. If not, and top five? Oh, yeah. I think I, mean, I think Saban's probably the best co- college coach of all time at this point, um, or at least he will be You know, when, mm-hmm. it's, when it's all said and done. So Alabama makes the list, right? Clear. Oh, no yeah. question. Okay. So we had the second – not, this isn't necessarily an order, but I put Georgia on there. And, again, this pained me a little bit. I think Georgia has that uh, loyal, huge fan base. Uh, I'm sure the revenue numbers are through the roof. Uh, one of the best places to play, you know, between the hedges, all that. They have uh, a couple national titles, I believe. Um, it's been a while, but, but they're, they're back in national prominence now. Heisman Trophy winners, Herschel Walker. I, I just feel like they have that traditional SEC feel. And I don't think it, it, it would be hard to leave Georgia off the list for me, um, especially they represent the East, you know. That, well, that, I think that's a key point there because I think the East is the is the probably the difference maker for me because I look at that and I say, yes, they're important, but a lot of those teams are important. I don't know that I'd put them in there, excepting the fact that they are the East's representation. They're also fifth in revenue. They're up there. I, I don't know that I feel as strongly about that as you, but – I. I get the argument. Okay. So the next one we had listed is uh, Tennessee. So Tennessee, to me, falls in a similar boat as Georgia. Uh, they have some some old success. They have some somewhat new success. They've been down for a couple years. Mm-hmm. One of the most, if not the most, loyal fan base in the country. Huge revenue numbers, huge stadium. Their attendance numbers rank in the top you know, five every year, without a doubt. The Vol Navy. Uh, it, it's really cool. It's really cool. You had them, you know, uh, Mike Lewis had them ranked number two in branding, which I, I knew they were up there, but number two is pretty surprising. I, th- I think and I think a difference maker for that was, yes, the dedication, but also the checkered end zones, yeah. the the fall leaves matching the uniforms. I mean, they, like, I pr- probably don't have a good enough appreciation for the tradition there, but I'm hoping to, to get it, spending a little bit more time in, in the south or in the southeast that I'll be spending and I actually think you. I think Tennessee is number two. I, if they're number one or number two, I think they're more important than almost anybody else on um, the SEC list, other than Alabama, just because of everything we're talking about. They're actually the. I think they're the top in. They're, sorry, they're the second or fourth overall in revenue over the last five years, and second in the SEC. Uh, I think it would be good for football again, just in, in their tradition and what they represent, if they were prominent again. Yeah, and I, and I, I 
wouldn't be crushed if they were on the you know the two team list from the SEC. I think they're right there with Georgia. To me, it's almost a coin toss. I, I could you know probably be persuaded on letting Tennessee in. But. I also think, and this is something um, that I don't know how to weigh it, but there's there's a need for some change in the SEC almost. Now Georgia, how much how long have they been back now? Uh, it's been what four or five years at right. this point, so, and not, they weren't down down for too long. So. But, man, Getting something to kind of like change the landscape a little bit in college football in general might be good. So it's, you know, over the last few years, it's just Clemson, Alabama, and it's been Alabama for a long time. I think that was actually what was fun about Kentucky being good was it was just very, very different. Now, I almost put them on the list just because I thought if Kentucky, like if a school that wasn't good traditionally in football, college football, got really competitive, and I think that would be good for any conference just to have some parity. Yeah, so, well, that kind of leads me on why um, I included the last team for the SEC. And I know, you know, <laughs> most won't agree with this, but I put Florida on the list. I'm not saying they're in the top two. Yeah, uh, I, can't, I can't put them in top two. But when those when the Spurrier years rolled around, they completely changed not only the SEC but college football. Uh, that's, um, that's and, fair. and they've had a run since the early 90s. Um, I know they've had a, a few down years recently, but they've had a run for 25 years that most people will never have. They've had great success. Uh, big and, and pretty loyal fan base. I would say the fan base is not quite as loyal as Tennessee or Georgia, and I can admit that as a Gator fan. Uh, they have a, a great tradition, even though it's you know more recent. You know, big revenue numbers. I, I'm not saying they're in the top two. I'm just saying they're kind of more of a new face of the SEC, if you will. Okay, okay. I'd say then I want to share what are probably the top snub of the list across all conferences is Texas A&M, and I. I it's hard to – it was a hard decision not to have them right at the top of the SEC, and maybe the difference of why is because they haven't been in the SEC as long. But you look at every metric, uh, fandom, passion, uh, tradition, revenue, um, you know, talent, and, I, and you made a good note, they open up Texas as a recruiting state for the rest of the SEC, that they play a, a linchpin role in the SEC – Maybe it's just the fact that they're not as recent into it that makes us think they're not as important to the SEC. Is that fair? No, I, I completely agree. And I, that's why we did include them kind of as an honorable mention for now. But they are very important to the SEC. And to be honest, I, I was kind of surprised on um, how successful they've been so far. And obviously, they're they're continually building that program. Jimbo. Man, that, the SEC West is brutal. And so they've been doing big things. And, yeah, the, the whole Texas uh, connection, the SEC, is important for the future of the conference, I think. But – you can't quite put them up there with the, the Alabamas and Tennessees yet. But, I mean, 10 years from now, we'll see. I, I've always had a little thing for A&M. I like them. I kind of root for them on the side a little bit. What? So it's cool to see. Yeah, look, I got the helmet sitting right here. Something, something about them. So, so I like it. And obviously one of the most uh, loyal fan bases in the country. No question. Did I also notice you, you mentioned Alabama and, and UT. Does that mean I convinced you that Tennessee? Yeah, I, 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 I could – concede to that you know it's again it's a toss-up between Tennessee and Georgia I think they're very similar if we want to pick Bama and Tennessee I'm cool with that and it also makes sense because they have a heated rivalry Uh, they've been playing for many many years so Alabama Tennessee let's go with that let us know what you think if you got Georgia if you got A&M if you have Florida hey you know I know there'll be some Auburn write-ins let's go so the A&M connection kind of leads us to the Big 12 now, okay? So the Big 12 has the, in my opinion, the most obvious selection. Uh, the most important team 
not only for their conference, but maybe for any conference, we can argue, is Texas. What do you got? I'm not a fan of it, but it's absolutely true. They're, look at any metric you want. They probably rank number one or, or top three in all the metrics that we're using to consider this. Revenue, they it's insane. I, we were talking about that off, off the show, and it is insane how much revenue they drive. They've been number one every year for the last five years, and, and it goes probably further back. I just I didn't want to keep looking and seeing their name at the top of the list. They, The brand they have beyond like the Longhorn Network. I mean, just everything about them, the Burn Orange, they are a strong brand, strong tra- tradition. Um, and as a member of the Big 12 TCU, like they, it's so important for the Big 12 for them to be good. It strengthens the Big 12. All, just because even though, it, whether it's justified or not, there's so much emphasis on them nationally that they just carry a lot of weight. Yeah, absolutely. All good points. I mean, you can't you can't make a list like this without including Texas. And and you know, since I'm been down here in San Antonio for four years, I can see how loyal that fan base is. Uh, it, it's a cool school too. Too. And let's face it, college football is better when Texas is good. So yeah, and loyal loyal. There are a lot of loyal fans. There's also a lot of bandwagoners. Yeah, yeah. Or or, or maybe maybe it's a casual is maybe a better term. Yeah, we but, saw we saw quite a few of those come out of the woodwork uh, last year, and we'll expect more this but year. It but it doesn't it doesn't matter. They're still just so critical to it, which also ties to the other key school for the Big Twelve, which is OU, yeah. and connecting them together is that rivalry is one of the best in college football. So it's good for college football and for the Big Twelve. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Oklahoma is the no-brainer number two here. Great tradition, great fan base, national titles, revenue numbers, all that. You know, they've been around for forever, and they've really had success in many different decades. You can't make a Big 12 list without mm-hmm. including Oklahoma. Not at all. And those are the only two that really popped us strong. I'd, I'd love to put others on there, but in the Big 12, those are the two that it's like, that's it. That, or that's the most important ones, and there's there's really no debate beyond those for me. Yeah, agreed. I think Big 12 was the most obvious. So, All right, well, let's move on to Big 10. So I, I don't think you can make the list same similar with uh, the Big 12. You can't make the Big 10 list without putting Michigan on there. They're one of the most traditional schools and football teams uh, in college football as a whole, much less their own conference. Uh, the winningest school as far as total wins goes in college football history, national titles, uh, iconic head coaches, Heisman Trophy winners, Huge stadium, all that. The traditions there. Uh, you got to have Michigan. Third, I mean, third in revenue, uh, branding. Uh, that the Mike Lewis list on Fanalytics. He he had them as number seven, which isn't surprising. I I also think if you consider the fact that honestly they haven't been all that competitive. I mean, they've been competitive. That's not the right term. They haven't been really good in a while, and all those all the metrics we would use still stand true in terms of loyalty. They also looking at the list of show of games watched over the last 25 years. Uh, Michigan's has the second is tied for the second or sorry the third most games watched at two, but they're still incredibly watched. They're both of course the Ohio State Michigan game, but they're huge. And also I think it is um, they have the one of the longest streaks of sellouts in college football. I mean, and that's not a small stadium. <laughs> no, it's, I think it's the biggest in the country still, right? So. But you brought up the rivalry with Ohio State. We have a few teams listed here for Big Ten, but now the more I think about it, it's got to be the number two team's got to be Ohio State, yeah? Oh, no question. I also mentioned on Michigan that the stat is they have the highest attendance 
in Michigan. Michigan has the highest attendance of all college football. All of them, Alabama, everybody. Ohio State, you think, would, is up there, but Michigan's leading it. And you're right, the rivalry, Ohio State's critical to the Big 12, Big 10. And in similar, actually, I think to the ACC, where I think the Big 10 has a little bit more competition. But Ohio State has been the – actually, just like OU's been for the Big 12, Ohio State's really is the competitor representing them in, in the playoff conversations at the national level. Ohio, that's what Ohio State is for the Big 10. Yeah, absolutely. They've been carrying that conference for a while. We had a couple other teams. You want to just touch on them for a second? I think Penn State could, you know, I could see why people would argue for them. Great fan base, you know, the whiteouts, all that great tradition, Paterno, uh, national titles. So if you want to argue Penn State, I could see it. Uh, What do you think about them? I think there's an argument to your point. I do think what's even more a bigger, better argument is Nebraska. Um, and the stat I was thinking of consecutive sellouts, Nebraska actually leads the country with consecutive sellouts at 368. I got those confused because I was surprised yeah. <laughs> to know that. Oh, so big stadium, not as re- as competitive, but I'd put Nebraska as an argument as well. Yeah, and I think they do something similar that A&M does for the SEC. So they, they expand the territory of the Big Ten. They bring in uh, almost unmatched tradition, respect to Nebraska. So they're kind of new to be on that top two list. So we're going Michigan, Ohio State. I would agree. And so, but shifting from there, what do you do? How do you rate the importance of um, non Power Five teams to the Power Five conference if they're not in a Power Five or not in a conference at all? Who would you put? Yeah, well, the, the clear one is Notre Dame. Notre Dame is very, very important to college football as a sport and whole. They might have the best tradition of any school. It, it's a bummer that they're not in a conference, but Notre Dame's got to be on the list. Can we just do a request every episode until <laughs> we're going to. We, we'll, Say it every episode, Notre Dame, join a conference, please. Yeah, they should. They should. Please do it. It'd make college football better. Uh, the non-Power Fives, we had Boise on there, Boise State. Uh, for I think the, the branding's high for them. They've had great success recently. They've carried that region of the country outside of Pac-12 teams. But I'd like to see them get, like, get really good again, just shake things up. Yeah, I'd like to see them beat Florida State this year. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to throw a curveball on this list because I, I think this is actually uh, – it's gonna be a, it's gonna be something that is gonna make me look like a genius. You'll be thanking me. <laughs> UNT. I'm saying UNT is big for non-power five football awareness. Um, you're starting to hear them talked about more on that brand list. They were ranked as the number three brand on non-power five, uh, and we need a new team to talk about because you have Boise State, you have UCF. I think UNT could be that team that starts to bring more, uh, you know, continue to awareness to non-power five teams. Yeah, hey, and I'm all about that. I was very surprised at some of the numbers you have on here. Are, are they any good, though? That's the question. I'm, I'm not, you know. People are talking about them being more competitive. I mean, well, I should say their quarterback in general, I think, is getting a lot, a lot of talk. And so I think he's he's what you have to watch out for. Okay, well, speaking of being competitive, the actual competitions start next weekend, as we mentioned up top. Opening weekend, there's only two games on Saturday, but that's fine. Uh, one of them's a, pr- a pretty big game, and one of them could be kind of cool and a fun game. So let's go ahead and uh, dive into those. What do you think? Let's do it. Let's take a, a preview of next week. All right. So, obviously, the first one, Florida-Miami. They're playing uh, at a neutral site in Orlando, Camping World Stadium, which is cool, kind of halfway between Miami and Gainesville. Are they giving us royalties for that again? Or I, or I forgot. Did we talk? Did you get in touch with them? They haven't called us back, They, I guess, they haven't no. tweeted us back. Oh, okay. So we'll see. We'll see. So, yeah, so it's, it's really cool. These teams don't play very much often. But for those of you outside the state of Florida, this 
it was once a superheated rivalry. These teams and these fan bases do not like each other, so it's, it's cool that they're kind of getting back to it. So, Houston, if you're looking at this game, what are the key factors you're taking into account? Uh, for me, and I think a lot of the you know, college football experts agree, the matchups to watch are going to be the Florida offensive line versus the Miami defensive line. Miami has some real freak athletes on their line. They're very experienced, you know, a lot of juniors and seniors, depth, all that kind of good stuff, kind of falling in the tradition of good Miami defensive linemen. Florida, their offensive line is questionably their their weakest unit this year based on just they're, they're young. They don't have a lot of experience, so that'll be something uh, to keep an eye on for sure. But another thing to, to look at is the Miami quarterback situation. This was kind of surprising. Uh, they named Jaron Williams, who's a redshirt freshman, uh, the starter. Very surprising. Everyone thought kind of the stud transfer Tate Martell uh, coming in from Ohio State was going to easily be their, be their starter. Uh, but that's not the case. And kind of the rumor is they're actually looking to put Tate Martell at wide receiver. So I don't know much about the Jaron Williams kid, but we'll see how he goes. Looking at the outcomes in, in the Lions, what do they have it set at? Uh, the most recent line I've seen is Florida minus seven. Uh, to me, that seems a little high. I, it, it makes me a little nervous as a, as a Gator fan. I think I, it's strong. I think it's strong, yeah. So for a neutral site game to beat Miami, you know, an up-and-coming team uh, by seven, we'll see. The ESPN FPI. Metrics that matter. That's metrics right. that matter. Go, go listen to our last episode. Has a probabil- win probability for the Gators at 734 so if they play this game four times, they should win three. Hopefully this is one of those three. Um, <laughs> That's right, but, instead of the one. So, okay. yeah, so minus seven, Florida. Okay, and the other the other big game, or <laughs> only game, of next week, yep. Arizona and Hawaii. Yeah, we have to have, you know, that West – this is major super West Coast, but you got to have that West Coast late game. <laughs> Past the West Coast. Stay up uh, and watch. At Hawaii. At Hawaii. So that brings in, again, going back to the, kind of the factors or the things that may matter. Hey, that's a long trip for Arizona, even though Arizona's out West. Will that – impact them how early are they going to get mm-hmm. out there for the game those kind of be things. distracted with hawaii i would be. I, I would be yeah but i think an, a, a big thing to watch in this one the key is factors and like what are you saying yeah yeah uh is arizona's quarterback khalil tate this guy was a stud coming out of high school uh, this is his senior year he this will be his third starting year his sophomore year he put up impressive numbers uh ran for you know tons of yards tons of touchdowns but also has a good arm and can throw the ball around uh, he kind of dropped off his junior year, but he has a lot of expectations riding on him uh, for his senior year. So I think the big thing to watch, we'll see how Khalil Tate performs this year. So we'll see how, how well they travel, see if Khalil Tate takes a step forward under Sumlin. Yeah. Um, and currently I think the line with the line is sitting at for Arizona minus 11 right now. Pretty strong line, but um, looking at that and looking at the ESPN FPI, they're actually only sitting at a 61.6% win projection. Yeah, that, so if, if you're the type that looks at lines and, and, you know, are interested in that, that makes me a little nervous that there's such a big favorite at 11, but then the actual FPI has their win probability so low. That kind of that kind of worries me a little bit. So something to think about. Well, we'll see, and I cannot wait to watch it. College football is here. It's here. Uh, speaking of here, we're here, and you're going to hear more from us. Uh, we'll be back next week, uh, or maybe even early, later this week, with a new Metrics That Matter. So go back and listen to our first initial broadcast of Metrics That Matter. Uh, we dove into the ESPN FPI. Uh, we're still determining right now what the next uh, topics will be, but uh, stay tuned for that. More previews yeah. and reviews. That's what I'm excited about. For sure, more pre- more previews, for sure. 
Uh, but until then, check us out on our website, neutralsitepodcast.com. We have our podcast all listed there. You can listen on online if you'd like. Find our show notes. Show notes. Oh, yeah, that's important. We All these things that we talk about, we'll throw in the show notes. We'll add some interesting links. Maybe we can throw some of the revenue numbers in there, those kind of things. So you can get a lot of good information on our website. We're active on Twitter. Uh, reach out to us there at NeutralSiteCast. You know, let us know what you think about our top two selections from each conference. Do we miss any significant and obvious ones? We'd love to hear hear about that. If you're listening to this, you're probably on some form of podcast provider. But if not, if you are listening through our website, you can also check us out on Stitcher. Uh, you can hit us up on Spotify, download, subscribe from those. Obviously, we're up on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever you want to call it these days. So go on there, like us, subscribe, give us a rating, let us know what you think, uh, and Google Podcast as well. So thanks for listening. Uh, this was fun. We've had a good run of shows here, and we can't wait to get back to you guys next time. But until, until we do, go out there, share our podcast with your friends, talk to them about what you guys you know, are hearing from us. Let us know if you like it, if we're missing things, if there's any topics you'd like us to add. But until next time, we're having fun here. We hope you guys are too.